the following episode of Shelfie is part of our backlog. This was an episode that was recorded in November of 2016 and lost to time. We have recently found it, edited it, and are releasing it for your listening pleasure. But please do understand that many of the books referenced in this episode have long since come out and we have read, reviewed, and done podcasts on. So, the information in this episode is dated. We wanted you to be aware of that before you listened. So, without further ado... not have realized we even took. Yes, we needed a little bit of a break. We had a lot of things colliding at once that just meant we could not read a book for a little bit. Yeah, so we were doing Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention and Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, (laughs) and there was just no way that we could get this book read in time. So between my work to get the convention together and my work in retail, because Black Friday weekend, everything got all out of whack. So, last week, you got our Gemini episode late. A little bit late, but still, and, worth the wait, right? And this podcast is about Heartless by Marissa Meyer, which is the book we put off and put off and put off, but have both finally read. Yes, and, and it is such a beautiful it is, oh, it is so pretty. very, very attractive. And, you know, I really enjoyed reading it, too. I liked it, too. It was a good book. It was, it was a solid read. It wasn't the best book I've ever read, but I, I really am very fond of giving villains sympathetic stories mm-hmm. so that they feel like real people instead of, Hi, I'm a villain trope! <laughs> so I was a big fan. But we don't get to talk about that right no. now. No. We get to talk about what we've been reading, what we're going to start reading. You know, I went first two weeks in a row. So oh, so I, go. I guess it's my turn again. <laughs> That's Cynthia code for I haven't read anything. It kind of is. <laughs> well, shocker, I haven't read anything either. Which is rare for both of us to have not finished a book. Yeah. Other than well, the regular book. So, what we're going to talk about on my end instead is my goal for the end of the year. So I, and if you've been listening, you know this, have a very long currently reading list on Goodreads. My goal is to get rid of all of them and maybe knock out a couple of the books that I have purchased and not read that are now sitting on my bookshelf on my I have not read list. Your brand new bookshelf. Yeah, my brand new bookshelf. It's so shiny. None of my books are living on the floor anymore. It's glorious, guys. (laughs) It's amazing. It's, It's also amazing how many books I have acquired this year. Most of which are not for Shelfie. I thought they all were. They're not. Nope. I have a, I have a problem. Like, I, just, <laughs> I have a book buying problem. And of course, when I was putting up the bookshelf, someone walked in and was like, why do you have a replica of replica? <laughs> I was like, well, you see, my husband has a crush on the author, so we have two copies. <laughs> so my plan is to read Wolf by Wolf, Elite, furthermore... Reread The Sun is Also a Star, read everything, everything, and then try and knock books off of my I need to finish this before the beginning of the year. Right. Now, that may include finishing them. Mm-hmm. That may include saying I didn't like this book, so I'm not going to finish it. Like The Last Days of Magic. Yeah, so I really hope to condense that and finish out my year. Though I'm not finishing as strong as I finished last year. I did not read as many books this year as I read last year. But you read a frack ton of books, Caitlin. I read almost 100 books, I think, is where I'm at. But last year I finished at 130. It's because you're a machine. I'm not a machine! (laughs) I'm not a machine! I am a Caitlin. And Caitlin likes to read books. Caitlin hoards books like ravens hoard shinies. Yes. However, (laughs) this year I got into a bunch of other things with, you know... The, the LARP that we run. The LARP and, and the cons really and the this and the that. And I think I've also been having trouble with my Kindle. Mm. So, 
We'll see. That, that I, I read a lot in digital format. Even mm-hmm. if I buy the hard copy, you can bet that I also have the, the EPUB copy. Because it is easier to read in bed. And it is also easier to do it with a Kindle instead of a book light, so you're not keeping your husband awake at 3 o'clock in the morning when you're going, Must finish book! <laughs> Must finish book! Again, I did not actually, again, once again, did not finish anything. That said, I picked up, wrote it back up. Ha <laughs> ha, yes! We are uh, going to finally achieve success. <laughs> uh, I picked Uprooted back up, and my goal is to read Uprooted and The Sun is Also a Star before the next podcast. Well, you at least have uh, to read The Sun is Also well, a Star. Well, that's definite. Otherwise, we can't do the podcast. I mean, I'll definitely read that, but my goal is to read at least one other book besides that. I'm going to try to get as close to my Goodreads goal as possible between now and the end of the year. I originally set my goal at 20. Yeah. When we started Shelfie, I'm like, I don't know that I'll read more than just the books for the podcast. And then I got to 20, like, really fast, got close to 20 really quickly, and I went, you know what, I'm just gonna, for the sake of, you know, why not, up my goal, and I doubled it to 40. And then my reading, September hit, and my crazy work schedule hit. And, and your reading dropped off? And my off. reading dropped off. That said, I only have 15 books to go, but I actually have a few books in progress, because I actually still... Our Kiss of Deception that I've been poking at slowly on my phone. Yeah, uh, that one That one is also pretty good, but the series gets progressively better. Right. The second book in that series is one of my favorites. And I read the third one this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember. Out. I got it. Because we did the Actually, ARC. that review was up on our blog. Yes. You should check you should that out. Actually, there are reviews of all three books on the blog. There read the books in order and read the reviews in order. Otherwise, <laughs> spoilers. Yeah. Major spoilers, guys. Major. I have not even read her reviews because I actually do intend to read that series. Yeah. So, but that's kind of what where I'm at. I wanna, I'm going to get up rooted done. I really want to do Wolf by Wolf and Blood by Blood. Blood for Blood? Blood for Blood. Yeah, Blood for Blood. Blood. I need to read that one too, but I think Blood for Blood may be a next year book. Mm-hmm. I need to re like reread the vast majority of right. Wolf by Wolf and then finish it. A couple other books that I picked up intending to read yeah so. well i mean you see this top shelf on my yeah, bookshelf i see there are many many books up there that i intended to read the oldest one i think the one that's been up there the longest is the shallow graves mm-hmm. which i hear is a historical fiction i got it for christmas last year and i haven't even cracked the cover yeah most of those books i bought on purpose gotcha some of them i will some of them i might never i don't know we'll see that, that, that copy of Forever Red, the Black Widow book, uh-huh. by Stoll, has been just languishing away on my bookshelf. The sequel yeah, is already out. One. I wanted to read that one, too. Eventually. I don't want it yet. But, like, my cookbook bookshelf, because I, I'm, I'm bookshelf, bookshelf light at home, so I have this thing. I don't like to fully unpack until I've been in a new place for a year, because I've moved so much in my life. Yeah. So I had to go and bought more bookshelves for the rest of the books that are still in storage. So all of the books I've bought since we started Shelfie have just kind of been going in front of all my cookbooks that were on the cookbook <laughs> and, there's, and you cannot see my cookbooks anymore. No, it's just shelf Because books. there's just all these lovely YA adult hardcovers. Yeah. <laughs> stacked in front of them. That's, that's how it's supposed to be. But that's kind of where I'm, I'm hoping to be. I just want to get as close to my 40 as I can. Yeah. And not feel bad if I don't make it. I definitely so. met my goal. My goal was 70, so I definitely did meet it. Mm-hmm. I didn't up it because I was pretty sure I wouldn't meet whatever goal I upped it to. <laughs> And my my plan has been, so two years ago, my goal was 50, and then uh-huh. last year it was 60. I doubled my goal last year. I did not do that this year. Mm-hmm. This year it was 70, so next year it will be 80. Gotcha. I up it by 10. Though this year, I barely made 80, so we'll, we'll see. Busy, busy, busy people. Yeah. Busy, busy bee. It's like, for me, I, you know, one of the biggest reasons why I was so keen on, on doing the shelfie thing with you and stuff was... To get me back into reading, because I'd, I'd had this, like, two or three year hiatus of not really reading hardly anything, because I just got so stressed and down and depressed, and it was, go home, play video games, and go to sleep. Yeah. And so for me, I, this has totally been a win situation. Well, good. So, I think it's been a win. Uh, what do you I've guys had, think? I've had a lot of fun, and the fact that I have gotten back into actively looking for books to read, and even if I'm not reading immediately, they're there, and it's not just... Yeah. They're going to get rid of They're not languishing like some books have over the years. Yes, have helped reignite your reading hobby. You have. Yay. It's lovely. I love doing that. <laughs> I love doing that. So, before we get into Heartless, speaking of reading hobbies, <laughs> we should finally talk about who won 
the Goodreads Choice Awards. <laughs> and the shocks and, well, obvious choices that exist in the Goodreads Choice Awards. So we're not going to talk about all the categories because no. we don't read adult fiction, we don't no. read literary fiction, we don't read mystery or historical fiction or any of that. So we're going to cover basic fantasy, mm-hmm. which... This should come as no surprise to anyone. The winner of this category is Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. We largely here at Shelfie disagree with this decision. We did not vote for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. (laughs) I can make a political crack here, but I'm not. No. (laughs) So we understand that it probably won because it is Harry Potter and it has J.K. Rowling's name on the front cover, Mm -hmm. even though she didn't write it. But we voted for... Well, I, I voted for <laughs> A Gathering of Shadows, which, guys, I still haven't read. I voted for it without reading it. How horrible is that? But I know it is fantastic, because everything that V.E. Schwab writes is fantastic. So I, I have no doubt that it was amazing. There were some other really fantastic books nominated in this category, and I am still very, very shocked that Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, and its wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey strangeness... It's just because it was Harry Potter. Yeah, but it didn't deserve this win. I, I, guys, don't vote for things just because they have Harry Potter on them. Like, coloring books. Oh, I, I agree books. with you. I agree with you. It did not deserve the win. Coloring books are going to start winning because they have Harry Potter on the cover. This is not to say that I don't love Harry Potter because I do. I am, I am a diehard fan and a very proud Slytherin. But come on, guys. Moving on to the debut Goodreads author, mm-hmm. which had some really great YA nominees. Mm-hmm. Rebel of the Sands by Alan Hamilton won this award. Mm-hmm. I have not read this book yet. It I was on actually, my look, look of things to read. I have been meaning to, but every time yeah. I walk past it in the bookstore, I look at it and I go, well, that reminds me of The Wrath and the Dawn. I'm not going to read that because mm-hmm. I really liked Renee Adye's The Wrath and the Dawn right. and The Rose of the Dagger. But maybe I should go back and read it because it's like that, but not the same. People seem to really like it. It beat out The Star-Touched Queen by Roshani Chakshi. For that award, which I have read, I didn't like all that much, but I also didn't hate. Mm-hmm. And The Reader by Tracy Chi, which yes. we read for this podcast, yes. and we both liked. Right. I had complaints, but right. honestly, that that was my vote because I thought for a debut, it was I really it was, good. Yeah, for because it, it was it had it had an interesting world and it was really good. And and that's one where both of us liked it, but we definitely had differing opinions. It's a great podcast you'll listen to. Yeah. Well, I was being ticky. Really, yeah. I was being very ticky in that podcast. And I think I was doing it because I liked it so much, there were just so many glaring problems. It's, it's one of those cases, I love this so much, why did you make that mistake? Yeah. I Trust me, I, I completely yeah. understood that. So I, I, having not read Rebel of the Sands, I don't know if it deserved that win. Right. Or not. But I did vote for the reader. So now we realize we both have to read Rebel of the Sand so we can see. Yeah, we do. And then we can do, like, a group review on the the blog. So, then we move on to young adult fiction. This does not include fantasy or science fiction in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So I'm also disappointed in what book won this uh, category. This is basically contemporary, yes. So, Salt to the Sea by Ruta Sepetis won. I, of course, voted for The Sun is Also a Star by because Nicola that is Hume your heart because <laughs> it is my everything. Well, okay, it can't be my everything because my everything, we were talking about my everything in a minute. Yeah, well. This is very it's close. It's contemporary everything. It is my contemporary everything. <laughs> Seriously, this book is amazing and we're doing our next podcast on it. So I can't, I won't talk about it too much, but it's amazing and I thought it really deserved to win. I didn't read Salt to the Sea, so I right. don't know. Maybe it's just as good. Other nominees in this category were A Study in Charlotte, which I did not like. I actually did not finish. Super boring, guys. I, did, I didn't really like that one. The Unexpected Everything by Morgan Mat- Matson, Serpent King by Jeff Zetner, and The Problem with Forever by Jennifer L. Armentrout. So, lots of big names. Which neither of us really, really do. do. <laughs> but I know all of these authors. Jennifer L. Armentrout wrote a series about aliens, a little romance series. I have read that one, and I did really like it. Now we're moving on to the big guns. Are we going to do fantasy now? young adult fantasy, <laughs> which, by the way, also encompasses young adult science fiction. Because you can't apparently separate those two titles. You can't. Nice. Well, I mean, it, you can, but there's not enough YA sci-fi to be its own category. 
Which is a shame, because there's some really good YA sci-fi. There is some really good YA sci-fi, some of which was nominated. So the nominees, I'm going to read all of them, because they are relevant to this podcast. Yes. We're going to start randomly, so that you don't know who won. (laughs) How about that? Ivory and Bone by Julie Eshbaugh. Which we were going to do a podcast on, and And changed your mind. I own the book, I do intend to finish reading it. I think it's very strange, and that's why we skipped it. It's my fault, guys. My fault. <laughs> if it was amazing, you should tell us in the comments and, and you know, let me know that I should go back and reread it. I'm a horrible person for skipping You were biased it. because it was a Pride and Prejudice retelling. I hate Pride and Prejudice, guys. <laughs> I hate it. And that's another thing that all you YA listeners out there are going to be like, wait, you hate, you hate Pride and Prejudice? We can't be friends. Sorry. Just don't like I it. I like Pride and Prejudice, but I accept that it's satire. Yeah, so, it is satire, guys. It is not, it is it's not, not yeah. what you think it is. It is not the penultimate love story. Moving on, And I Darken by Kirsten White, which we both re- like really we liked. Like gushed over it was really good. And the sequel's coming out in a few yes. months-ish. Yes. And uh, we will be doing a podcast on. Yes, we will. And it will be amazing. I am just sure of it. Yes. With as good as the first one was. Then The Midnight Star by Marie Lu, which neither of us have read. Mm-hmm. I really need to read some of her books because her art for Gemini was really good, so now I am totally interested in her creative in, yeah. pursuits. Then My Lady Jane, I will not list all of its authors. You, If you've listened to this podcast, you know who they are, and you know how we feel about yes, it. Yes, yes, you do. That horse, that dead horse, we will beat oh, it some more. No, no. We, won't, we won't beat it some more. We'll go to the next book. We will go to the next book, which is Gemina by Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff, which our last podcast was on. And you also know we love. We loved that book. That book was amazing. Just as good as Illuminae. Better, maybe. Definitely read it if you haven't, and then go listen to our podcast. Because it's yes. really good. Also, Rebel of the Sands by Alwyn Hamilton. Again, we have not read that, but we should. Then, United as One by Pitticus Lore. I have not read that series. I don't remember seeing that. It's a series. There are, there are many of them. Yeah. It is apparently dystopian science fiction. Huh. I don't know. I haven't familiar with it at all. gotten into that one. Then, The Winner's Kiss by Marie Rutkowski. Okay, guys. Guys. The first two books in that series, I didn't really care for. Like, they got two and three stars for me. They were okay. The Winner's Kiss was a four-star read. Easy. That book is really good. Read the series if you haven't, because super, super good. Then The Rose and the Dagger by Renee Adier, which I just mentioned. Also one of this year's best young young adult fantasy reads. Really, really liked it. And it was way better than the first one. And I really liked the first one. The second one branches away from the, ooh, it's a romance, and goes into the girl power, oh, cool. which I love. I have that series on my, on my to-read list, so. I really liked it. I thought it was very good. Then We Are the Ants by Sean David Hutchison. I have not read this book. This is yeah, more I... of a sci-fi than a, than a fantasy. It's about a main character whose grandmother is suffering from dementia. Oh. And I recently lost my grandmother from dementia. Uh, no, that's that's perfectly understandable. I, I, I probably will eventually when I can deal with the feels. Right. Then there is Torch Against the Night by Saba Tahir. Which uh, Caitlin loved. Love. So good. So good, guys. So good. And if you haven't read An Ember in the Ashes or Torch Against the Night, you should just totally go do that. And then Heartless by Marissa Meyer, which we are going about. to gush about here in a few minutes. Calamity by Brandon Sanderson, which I have not read. I really haven't been able to get into any of his stuff. I may do that eventually. I just haven't quite gotten there. Uh, The Crown by Kira Cass, which I did read and I did not like. But then again, I only read it for completionists because I've read all of the selection books and I felt that I needed to finish the series. Yeah, you're not a series abandoner usually. Not typically, no. If you finish the book, you're going to finish the series. Yeah, so I finished the series. I don't understand why it's nominated. I mean, I guess a lot of people really, really like it. But a dystopian version of The Bachelorette, or The Bachelor, The Bachelor in the first part of the series, The Bachelorette in the second part. Not really my thing, guys. Really not. Oh yeah, no, that's not gonna go on my read list. No, no. Then there is Glass Sword by Victoria Aviard. Again, if you've read the blog or listened to this podcast, you know exactly how I feel about that book. (laughs) Poor Caitlin. (laughs) Which... We will talk about again later on in this podcast, right. so, so I will not... So you will not go into it too much right I will now. not go into too much detail right now. Then The Raven King by Maggie Stiefvater, which I have only read the first book in that series, but I did like it, and I need to finish the series. I have gotten kind of 
mixed reviews on the Raven King. People say it's really good. Some people say it's it's the worst book in the series. It, uh, I'm going to have to read it and find out. But apparently, good enough to get nominated. Then Crooked Kingdom by Lee Bardugo, which, ha! Okay, guys. <laughs> you see why this was really hard for me to vote in this category? Ah, really hard. Read Crooked Kingdom. Very good. Kaz Brecker, awesome. One of the best characters ever. Just so you know. <laughs> then, then, there's Empire, Empire of Storms, Storms by Sarah J. Mass, <laughs> which we both really, really, really liked. Oh and gosh, have talked a, about... So a bit of the hangover from the mainlining that entire series. I know, right? <laughs> no, seriously. This entire year has been a Sarah J. Mass hangover. That's yeah. just, that is the... That's what this year has been for me. Is trying to read something other but than But I'll be Sarah caught J. up this year. In 2017, I'll be caught up. I don't I want to have to sit there and read them all in two weeks. But I'm gonna. <laughs> you might not, but I will. Then there's Lady Midnight by Cassandra Clare, which I have not read. It is... Part of her Shadow Hunter universe. Yeah. I didn't really like the first series that she did. I read It's the, a tie-in, but it's not a sequel to the yeah. original, right? I read the first four books in the first series, and I thought it really should have been a trilogy. I don't think the fourth book needed to exist, so I haven't really picked up anything after that, because I was just kind of underwhelmed. And then, last but certainly never least, My Soul, A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Mass. <laughs> Does anyone have to guess what I voted for? <laughs> of course you voted for that. Well, well, I mean, there is no other choice. I may have liked most of these books, like a lot, but I have not read any of them five times in one year. You've held steady at five? I've held steady. It yet? No, I haven't. Okay. I haven't had time. I haven't had time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all of the choices, all of the nominees in this category. Who do you think won? I know who won. Because <laughs> we discussed it. So, shocker, A Court of Mist and Fury. Fury is the winner of this category. I don't think anyone is shocked. No, it got, it, it yeah, it was so I mean, I thought it was going to be close. I thought it was going to be close between A Court of Mist and Fury and Empire, Empire of Storms. Storms yeah. So either way, it was going to be a Sarah J. Mass win. Because guys, this is a Sarah J. Mass year. Yep. Like, she puts out two books a year, and this year they were both, like, they were all home runs. And, yeah. Out of the park. She's just, she's had a very strong year and from a publicity standpoint, too. Yes. So. Yes. And we've also recently gotten the title. Yes. For the next court book, which is A Court of Wings and Ruin. I can't, yeah, that just has so much wrapped up in that title. I know. If you've read the two books and you know how Court of Mr. Fury ends, yes. you have to, you just get a little shiver well, when they, you hear that title. So they did a thing where they asked you to guess. They gave you a court of blank and blank and mm -hmm. said, guess what you thought they would be. And they gave you the first letter of the yeah, two missing the words, R, which yep. is W and R. So I guessed that it was A Court of Wrath and Ruin. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I didn't pick Wings. The end of the book, I probably should have, with the way the book ended. Mm -hmm. But so I was one word off. <laughs> so close to being right. But yes, so the Goodread Choice Awards have ended. They are over. I hope your favorite books won. At least one of my favorite books won. Just one. I only picked one winner this year. But that's okay. Boy, was it a winner. Definitely a winner. And I think that even in the categories where the ones she, that you picked didn't make it, there were some strong, there were some strong books in there. Oh yeah, so, no, I, I I totally agree. I for some reason I, I kept trying to do the the good the choice awards voting and it just kept kicking me out every time I tried to do it because I was trying to do it from my phone because that's when I would think about it and then I wouldn't think about it when I was on the computer. Well, who would you have voted for? Well, I would have voted for, for Mr. Fury. I thought you said you were going to vote for Gemina. <laughs> um, I I was a toss up. I would be really hard to choose. I think I would have been actually flip literally flipping a coin. Yeah. I choose between those two. Because initially I was like Gemina, and then I kept thinking about Cormus and Fury. Yeah. Mainly because that's the book that reignited my reading. Yeah. And it, I probably actually, yeah, I would have flipped the coin. Yeah, well. Two. It would have been a hard, hard choice. I like sat here and pretended it was hard for about five minutes and then went, what am I doing? Click. <laughs> what am I even doing? What am I talking about? <laughs> oh, don't be silly, Caitlin. You know who you're going to pick. Just do it. Move on. Same thing you pick every night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are we going to read tonight, Pinky? We read every night. Or Court of Mr. Fairy. Fairy. Because <laughs> that's what we do. So, now that we know what the best books of the year are, according to the Goodreads community, and 
You guys are an awesome community, yes. just so you know. We should probably talk about one of the nominees, since which was we recently read, which is Heartless, Heartless by Marissa Meyer. This is a classified as a fairy tale retelling. What it really is is a fairy tale prequel. Mm-hmm. It tells you how the Queen of Hearts became the, the evil bitch the Queen of that you know her to be. Yes. And, you know, I came into this book really, really, really excited. Because I am a big fan of sympathetic villains. I really don't like the villain trope. I really don't like the, well, they are evil for the sake of being evil. They were born to be evil. No, people are not born evil. They're not born good either. Circumstance makes people and characters should be well-rounded people. Sometimes I just like bad if it's like a bad. Well, yeah. I mean, who but, doesn't like to read bad stuff just you know, sometimes? But it's interesting to see the background. It's not because to me, like you can still create a backstory that has some sympathy built into it without it making it still, oh, well, we're just gonna, we'll be fine, this villain. You know what I mean? I liked what she did with Heartless a lot. I was actually really impressed. And I don't know why I'm acting like I was super impressed, because I am also a big fan of Lunar Chronicles. And Fairest was my favorite of the Lunar Chronicles, which was her retelling of Levana, who was Cinderella's aunt, Snow White's stepmother. Gotcha. So it's, it's you know, Snow White's queen's retelling. I that one. It's really good. I, I think I liked it better than this one, but I think mm-hmm. it's because it exists in an established world, and you read it after you have already read most of the the series already. Gotcha. Like, I suggest reading the first three books and then reading Ferris. Okay. And then reading Winter. Gotcha. So, its setting is extremely established. The world mm-hmm. building is very well set. Mm-hmm. Which, I suppose, is also the case for Heartless, but it's not her world. She's right. writing in someone else's. Which, I think, was my main complaint about this book, and is probably mm-hmm. why it's not a five-star read for me. There is no world building here. Mm-hmm. She assumes that you have read... Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and Through the Looking Glass, and just assumes that you know everything that she's talking about. Which is not the best thing, because the average person's exposure to the Wonderland universe yes, the is the movie. Disney Alice in Wonderland animated film, yeah. which only gives you the surface yeah. of the world. Yeah. You don't get chess at all. No, you don't get, you know, and she talks about chess. She talks mm-hmm. about the White Queen and the Red Queen. And the ongoing constant And the battle. ongoing battle. And time. Yeah, and how time is, is a little more fluid and is an actual, like, entity. entity. Who wanders around. And kind she of, also yeah. talks about the Jabberwock, mm-hmm. which Jabberwock is not part of the Disney movie. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's horrifying and should never be part of any Disney. No. Well, it is part of the... The live action. The live, the live action. action. But... So, but she actually quotes the poem mm-hmm. in here, and I, I feel like she could have done a better job of, of establishing those things mm-hmm. that are not really, they're not part of pop culture. People right. don't quote the Jabberwock. But at the same time, she pulled in these other aspects of fairy tale rhyme that had nothing to do with Wonderland at all. No. So in this book, this is not just a Wonderland this is a mashup. Yes. In here, you also have The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe, which I thought was a really interesting inclusion mm-hmm. and I really did very much like. You also have the nursery rhyme of Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater. And you have the nursery rhyme of The Queen of Hearts, She Made Some Tarts on yes. Summer's Day. <laughs> yes. I didn't hate the inclusion of Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater. I didn't either. I thought it was interestingly done. As a plot device. I liked seeing a nefarious take mm-hmm. on this rhyme that they tell you when you're a kid. Yeah. You know, Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater had a wife and couldn't keep her. Put her in a pumpkin shell and there he kept her very well. Yeah. And so she adds a lot more depth to that little itty bitty rhyme that mm-hmm. you jumped rope to as a kid. Yep. She also adds depth to the Queen of Hearts. This 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 character, she's not just arbitrarily evil. She's not no. this horrible person. Well, I mean, she becomes a she horrible becomes, person. She she becomes a hard ass bitch, man, by the end of it. But I I get it. Like I I don't know that I would have been able to do any better in her situation. Mm-mm. I mean, she's had it rough. It's a it's a really well done take on what happens. What you will do when you lose everything. 
Yeah. When you feel like you have nothing left. When you have no hope left. She didn't have anything left. No. I mean... All of... Everything that she had... The main character, Catherine, had built her entire hopes and dreams and life upon was... Was... Gets shredded by the end of this... Literally, pretty in some way, shredded by the end of this book. The main character is Lady Catherine Pinkerton, Mm -hmm. who eventually becomes the Queen of Hearts. And she has the desire to become a baker. She is the best baker in all of Hearts. And she wants to open a bakery. The best bakery in all of Hearts. Yes. Her and her maid, who is her best friend. Marianne. 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 I would say Mary Alice. Marianne. Marianne, who um, later becomes the maid to the White Rabbit, who the White Rabbit maybe mistakes Alice for and calls Alice Marianne repeatedly. Huh. Yeah. Little nods. Little nods. <laughs> um, and the book is full of those kind of little touches. Yes, yeah, little itty bitty, like, sh- there are details that you'll pick up if you are familiar with even just the Disney movie. Yeah. Though I really recommend reading the other the other source material. Um, yes. Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass before you read this. I also recommend reading The Raven before you read this. Yes. And the Raven's not all that long, so. No, that's like yeah. that. Catherine wants to be a baker. And she wants to open this bakery with her best friend who's going to run the books and do all the money crunching while she's going to do the best baking in hearts. Logical, logical Marianne. Yeah, logical, logical Marianne. Imagine Catherine's surprise when she finds out that her mother has basically negotiated her marriage to the King of Hearts. And Who is a doddering, bumbling... Okay, so <laughs> I really, really appreciated her portrayal of the king because... Mm-hmm. In, in the Disney movie, you get this, yes, 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 yes man, who is uh-huh. like two feet tall, who yes. follows around his very large wife, yes. who has no interest in mercy of any kind. Mm-hmm. She has no interest in justice either. She just has an interest in blood and wrath. Mm-hmm. And he's just a little yes man, because he's afraid he's going to lose his head too. Yep. So you you have this this character who is not... Super well-developed, period. No. Just in general. He's kind of a character. And yeah. He's yeah. not... He's never been super relevant until mm-hmm. now. Now he's relevant. Right. Because he's the king. Yes. He's the one with all the power. He yep. just gave it to her because she's terrified. Yes. So he is... He's one of those people who really wants to hide. Mm-hmm. Like, the Jabberwock is wrecking his... Yes. ...nation, his we, land. We are going to have parties... And pretend the bad things don't happen. We are going to focus on morale. If morale is good, maybe people won't notice that they're being eaten. (laughs) Except, dude, they're being eaten. They're totally going to notice. Taken from the middle of your giant party. Yeah. And nom 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 nom. (laughs) So, you know, people are terrified. But, you know, you can totally try the morale approach. That might work. But he, he's obsessed with Catherine and her baking and her food and the fact that she is nice and sweet and he wants this nice, sweet wife mm-hmm. to bear him ten children. A full suit. A full of suit. Ten. Of ten. <laughs> I read that line and was like, oh, yes. A full suit of ten. I, I, and I, I, and she, and that's his whole thing is he, she makes him happy because he really enjoys the things she bakes. Yeah. And therefore he makes her happy. Yeah. He, she makes him happy so, Obviously, she is the best choice for his wife. Clearly. Um, but he doesn't quite understand that she doesn't really want to be his wife, and no. this is coming out of left field. No. So, he decides that he's going to propose to her at a ball, not tell her he's going to do it. No. Her mother, her mother, I will, I will get back to her mother. <laughs> her mother comes in and dresses, and dresses her. her head to toe in brilliant scarlet red. For a black and, and white, white ball. ball. And she's like, this this doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem right. She doesn't really realize it's a black and white ball until and she, she walks down the stairs and everyone's wearing black and white. And she's like, oh, crap. But she still doesn't realize the situation that she's in until Cheshire. The Cheshire cat. I he, love the Cheshire he's, cat. He's around. And he's awesome. And funny. And his origins are really cool. Like, yeah, he came out of a dream. Which you have to, I'm going to tangent it for a minute. He, Cheshire came out of a dream, then we have the trees that come out of the dream, then we have the, the, the roses. girls and the roses and all that stuff. It makes you wonder if that dream point is is a intersection of chess and Oh, I think it probably hearts. is. And it's where things bleed over. But, back to Cheshire. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Cheshire comes over and has just eaten a whole plate full of pumpkin pasties and yes. is orange, as brilliant orange as you could possibly get. Looks like a pumpkin. Yes. With stripes. Mm-hmm. And is, you know, chatting up Catherine and talking about the gossip that he's heard. Because he's the biggest gossip monger in all of hearts. Which is, you know, true. Yes. He tells her that he's heard that the king is going to announce his new betrothed this evening and that she is present. Kath goes, oh, well, it couldn't be Margaret. Margaret, her doty friend who is quite arrogant. Okay. Margaret? We talked about Pride and Prejudice a minute ago. Margaret reminds me of Mary, the, the, the sister in Pride and Prejudice, who was the pianist. Oh, yeah. That constantly quoted all the morals and all yeah. that stuff. I was like, I know exactly where that character came from. So, anyway. Margaret, the yes. moral, pious, holier-than-thou, unattractive friend. And she's like, well, it can't be Margaret, and it can't be this other person. And then she looks down at her bright red dress and out at the, you know, black and white room and goes, no. No, 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 do something. But before this happened, we are introduced to the new court joker. Yes. Yes. Whose name we don't know yet. We don't know yet. Who gives this amazing performance based on... On the riddle, why is a, a raven like, like a, a writing desk? And this is the reason we have Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven in the story, because why is a raven like a writing desk and Joker's buddy, the raven? Yes. So, yeah, he does this big, amazing performance, pulls the white rabbit out of a hat, literally, mm-hmm. and does all these great things. And, of course, Catherine is entranced. Good word. Good word. Most of the court is entranced, but Catherine is very much beyond entranced. Yeah. She is like, this is fascinating and so out of the normal, even for the oddity that is hearts. hearts. And so she's extremely interested in the Joker, but the Joker doesn't make another appearance until later. Right. So the king steps up to announce his betrothed, and Catherine is like, Cheshire, do something. Do some distraction. Anything. Get me out of here. Yep. So the Cheshire Cat decides that the best way to handle this is to randomly appear on top of Lady Margaret's head. You know, yes. the lady most pious. Yes. Who, of course, screams at the top of her lungs and has a minor freak out. Because there's a cat on her head. Minor being major. <laughs> and gives Catherine enough time to get out of the ballroom and into the garden and away from the mm-hmm. proposal that is not to happen. She is the runaway bride-to-be. <laughs> yeah. Of course, her corset's too tight. She's freaking out, can't breathe, hasn't been able to eat, faints in the garden. Yep. Because, you know, that's what happens. Victorian lady society and their overly tight corsets. Right. Never Which was worn... even more than overly tight, thanks to her mother. Who, who insisted that she needed to have a 22-inch waist. Yes. And kept calling her a walrus. We'll get back to the mother later. We, She's a piece of work. Yes. Uh, Caitlin and I both have issues with his mother. <laughs> yes. Extreme. Not not against the author. I think she no, no, wrote no, no, a no. very interesting yes. character. It's just, I don't like her. I don't know. She is entirely too... She's not supposed to be likable. No. Anyway, this is where Jest comes into the picture again. They're arguing about... And, and Raven is saying, just throw some water oh, on yeah. her. <laughs> the solution is the bucket. <laughs> Jest decides that a white rose is the solution to run it under her nose to wake mm-hmm. her up. Huh. White roses. We'll get back to that. <laughs> so she and Jest flirt, and she becomes yes. infatuated with him. Oh, totally. Like, this, is, this is the breaking point for her. Right. And, you know, he takes her home after removing her corset laces. But she does, not she does not realize until he hands her the corset laces. And I'm sitting here as somebody who's won a corset going, how did he do that without her knowing? How did he do it? And how did she not, not realize? Notice. Because corsets kind of flop when you take them off. Unless the dress was just so tight in and of itself. Well, it must have been so. to hold the corset on. Because the corset's not attached to the dress. It's an undergarment. Right. So the dress must have just been holding it up. But right. that's the case. How did he get it out? Magic. Sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> Weirdly undressing he magic. He reached into his hat and then pulled him out that way. Like, that's the one The one thing that Jess does that I'm like, okay, now, I know that's supposed to be charming, but that's a little rapey. Like, just, just a little. It's a little disturbing. Like. And it's the, it's the one bit of your magic I do not believe. I, yeah. 
As, as a person who's worn a corset, I do not believe that no that any amount of magic power you have will make that work. No. I also <laughs> have a hard time being comfortable with you sticking your hand down an unconscious woman's dress. Like, <laughs> seriously, dude, don't do that. That's I like the rest of your characterization, but this little that bit... That was a poor choice. Poor choice. Anyway... Eventually, Catherine convinces the king that he should court her instead of actually just proposing to her out of left field, and they maintain this courtship where she's torn between him and Jest. Mm -hmm. Jest, aside from the weird corset thing, which Mm -hmm. we'll just ignore, is awesome. I like Jest a lot, actually. He's got that torn between duty and love thing, and he is that stereotypical... Would not get approval person from the oh, parents. Oh, no, 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 no. The parents are not going to and, approve. Not um, not even close. But he is, corset, corset lacings aside, a fairly well gentleman for being a, a rake of a joker. Yeah. And But he's um, not. He's a rook from chess. Yes. <laughs> he's a rook from chess, which means he's nobility. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's here on a mission. And that's, that's the moment that, like, got it for me, is yeah. that when he reveals why he's there, and what he's doing, and what mm-hmm. he's been doing, but that he accidentally did it too well. Yes. And now he... convinced he, himself as Yeah, well he convinced himself as well as her. So he's been sent... Spoilers! spoilers I, I forgot spoilers, to give a spoiler warning. This uh, podcast is not a review, it is a discussion, and it is full of spoilers. So, sorry about that. We're gonna spoil the whole book. If you haven't read it, there's no way to do this without spoiling the whole book. No. Sometimes we can avoid the major things. We cannot do it with this one. No. Jest is here on a diplomatic mission from the White Queen in chess. He's a white rook. Yes. And he's here to steal the heart of the Queen of Hearts, who is said to be passionate and strong strong and, and true. And a and, fighter. And a fighter. And he is going to take the heart back to the, the White Queen so that she can have that same strength in the war against Red. Yes, because the White King feels that his queen is too weak in order to win the war. And they've been at this war for so long. He makes the comment that it feels like when one of them wins, it just resets. Yes, like a chessboard. Uh, like a chessboard, that time is capricious there. So they're here to give their queen an edge. And it's not just him. It's just Raven, Hare, whose name is spelled really funny. Yes. But it's pronounced hair. They make it's it very. Hair. They make it very clear that that's how it's pronounced. But H A I G H does not spell. Hair. Yeah, which I totally <laughs> never said hair in my head at all. Every time I looked at that, no, I went nope. Oh, and 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 the Mad Hatter, who's not Hatter. mad yet. <coughs> Hatter. I like Hatter. I, I I felt very sad. <laughs> oh yeah, the scene where he finally becomes <coughs> the Mad Hatter is very. Very sad. Also, can we talk about the scene where the turtle becomes the mock turtle? The poor turtle! That poor oh turtle! Oh my god! Ooh. I had this... No, not the little turtle that she saved! She saves the turtle from the Jabberwock, and then, like... Accidentally turns him into a mock turtle. Accidentally turns him into a mock turtle by feeding him poison pumpkin that she yes. didn't realize was poisoned because she stole it from Peter Peter's pumpkin patch. Which was a... Anybody... Okay. I, okay, I really like the book. I'm going to go ahead and say I really like the book. I felt that the book had was in some ways too predictable, just because every I could almost see how it was going to unfold as I was reading the chapter. She put in clues that were a little obvious, I think. Agreed. But, you know, that happens a lot in young adult fiction. and Maybe that's what it is. For me, it read a little younger than I expected it to. I think that's what it, what it is. I think that might be it. Yeah, so. I think it... In a lot of cases, I think this book read a little more like middle grade than, than YA. I'll give you that one. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's my point. I don't think that there's a problem with that. I no, have no problem well. with middle it grade. It read really well. It was a quick read, too. So I just think it felt like, I think the young adult genre has become a bit more mature, and this read a little more like what middle grade is now. Valid. So, still good. I still really enjoyed it. I thought the character development was really great. Um, there's no world building, just yeah. so you know. Like, none at all. That's not a problem. You're dropped in the middle of a world and, yeah. and expected to figure it out. Yeah. It's not a problem if you are familiar with the world that she's writing in, and I understand that she didn't want to develop on a world that was not hers. That said, I still think she had to in order to give the book the foundation it really needed to have. Mm-hmm. That said, I also thought the beginning of this book was really, really slow. Yeah. Like, I think she could have done some world building to make up for the the page loss that she would have taken. Right. And then 
not done a lot of the Catherine is baking or right. Catherine is going to town or right. Catherine is having a conversation with no one. Like, yeah. I liked the idea. I liked the development of her baking, actually, because it comes out later in the book that her family line is known for being, for being a storytelling line. Yes. But she does not have that talent. No. But her talent, she does tell stories through her food. And it's interesting to see that they make that connection. As somebody who is a, a kitchen witch, as I call myself all the time, and I like to, st- to tell those stories and emotions through food, yeah. I identified with that a lot. I did like the Queen of Hearts. She made some tarts opening, yeah. basically. And I like the nod to the knave stealing the tarts as part of that poem as well. I just think it got really but... slow. Also, Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. <laughs> Jack jumped over the candlestick <laughs> is also in this book. And, okay, so I'm pretty sure... What she was doing there with Jack the Knave and and the Jack Be Quick thing Mm -hmm. was pointing out that Jack had been in love with Catherine since they were kids and was doing that bully thing. Right. I don't really think we should be perpetuating that that stereotype. I I recognize that that was the stereotype and it really bothered me. I kind of ignored I don't like you and you go away. So. But I think that... She kind of did attempt to flip it on its head mm-hmm. when Catherine's facing the Jabberwocky. Yeah. And she's like, Jack, help me. My ankle's broken. Right. And Jack has this moment of... Nope. Not even for you. Nope. Not even for you. You're not worth it. Yep. Which is a... The guys that treat you that way, mm-hmm. that think they want you, and but they, they bully you in order to, like... I don't know. It's the nagging thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, they don't really like you. No. That's not really... They are not really in love with you. Jack was not really in love with Catherine. He was in love with the idea of Catherine. And couldn't, for some reason, wrap his head around it. So he was doing the pulling her pigtails and Mm -hmm. childish things. And when when push came to shove, he wasn't there. Right. So I also really liked that she, you know... She pulls the vorpal sword from the hat. And she kills the Jabberwocky. She is not, you know, being saved. That was actually uh, something I really liked. I, I also thought that it was great to see her save herself. Yeah. And the, all the little nods, you know, the, the pulling the sword out of the hat <laughs> bit, uh, and it having to be royalty to do so. Okay, the sword from the hat thing, though. Did anyone else have a, ha, huh, this is a very sorting hat, Godric Gryffindor sword moment? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> totally had that moment. I was like, you're a wizard, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I had that moment of, okay, really? Did we just do that? Yeah, we just did um, that. I thought that the secondary characters were really well tied in. I liked Hatta a lot. Oh yeah, I liked Hatta um, a lot too. And even, you know, the, the three girls in the trickle well. Oh, they're terrifying. Creepy, like, disturbing. Oh. And was one of the best renditions I have seen. They were terrifying. They were just absolutely terrifying. <laughs> um, of all of that. I thought even Raven, who does not have a huge amount of lines, is a fairly well-developed. And very imposing. Yes. Even before he leaves his bird form and becomes super imposing. Yes. But the scene with murderer, martyr, monarch, mad, I was just like, this is... Yeah. This is terrifying. Yeah. This is... That was, I think, the best written scene she had. That that whole... Yeah. That was... Because you... I got the little bit of that little chilly thing kind of going on. Of, yeah. Wow. Well, these little girls, they're just but terrifying. I swear, I swear that when I saw that scene, I went, she's going to kill Jess. She is going to, for whatever reason, I, give, the, give the order I to honest, kill Jess, and Raven's going to have to kill his best friend. I honestly thought that's what was going to happen, mad. too, but it didn't link up like that. No, it didn't quite happen that way. So Jess dies in a different manner. Yes. Because Peter Peter's an asshole. Yes. And just, you know, out of sheer, I guess, pain and revenge. Uh, it was spite. Yeah, he wanted to make he was an Catherine spiteful. feel what he yeah. felt. He wanted her to know what he was feeling. So he kills Jest, and Catherine loses it. Like, just loses it. And this is where our, you know, crazy Queen of Hearts comes in. Yes. Because at this point, the love of her life is dead. She has chosen him over the king. She doesn't want to marry the king. Mm-hmm. She has made this decision. They were going to chess together to live the rest of yes. their lives. But she came back for Marianne. And so it results in martyr first, 
Yes. Because, and she says, but he didn't do anything to deserve this. And Hannah says, most mm-hmm. martyrs don't. Martyrs never do. Yeah. And then, so now we're waiting around to see the rest of them happen, right? Yep. And Hannah comes first. He goes, he goes mad. Mm-hmm. Um, time catches up with him. Time catches up with him, and oh, that scene was just painful. It was very painful. That one was the one that I think, though, your portrayal came the most from Disney. Yes. Because you watch him devolve from this rather proper, if a little, if eccentric, a milliner to the Mad Hatter yeah. in the space of a page and a yeah. half. And it's yeah, and just powerful. It's, it's all him pondering why is a raven like a writing desk. Yes. And it's just, I was so sad. It's not poorly written. It's not no. painful because it's poorly written. No, it's painful it just... because you're so attached to the character and you watch mm-hmm. him just devolve into this yeah. this thing that he was never supposed to be. But because Catherine made a choice... Catherine is. made a choice, which may, meant that Jess made a choice, and then Raven made a choice, and, and then, then Hatta made a well, choice. Well, and the revelation that Hatta was in love with Jess, and had yes. been in love with Jess the entire time, and this nod to, and, and Catherine says, well, you didn't have to come. And he said, no, but he did, and so I had, had to. to. Yep. And you didn't deserve him. The mm-hmm. love he had for you, you didn't deserve. Mm-hmm. It, it was just painful to see that he was going through the same grief that she was, Yep. and that grief drove him mad. It, 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 it resulted in him not being the same person. Granted, her grief also resulted in her not being the same person. It in some ways drove her mad. Yeah. Because she makes a deal with the terror triplets <laughs> to... Oh, and they <laughs> are. girls. Oh, fairy. Uh. Anyway, she makes a deal with the terror triplets that they can have her heart because she doesn't need it anymore. And it will keep them alive. They've been dying for such a long time. And they need payment in order to survive. And the heart will keep them for years. Yep. And but she doesn't need it anymore because it's a broken thing and it's killing her. It's killing her. She doesn't need she doesn't need it anymore. She has no love to give. And so she they say they'll bring her Peter Peter for her revenge if she'll give her heart. And she willingly makes the trade and then sets apart about becoming the queen becoming of the queen of hearts so that they can that have the heart scene of the queen. where she walks in oh, the I court and drops the tart the box and it's just like it's key lime pie. Uh, yeah. It's it's a key lime tart basically. Well, it's it's or relevant not, yeah. because the king had been talking about how he wanted how key much lime pie. Key lime was the key to a king's heart. Yes. Uh, so she brings him key lime pie after the tree. <laughs> yeah, after she dreamed about him and grew a key lime tree. Yep. But that scene when she walked in, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. No, she basically he has decided he's not going to marry her because she's clearly insane. She's well, she's she's embarrassed him. There's, there's no coming back from it, because she accepted his proposal, and then, and then jilted just, him immediately. And left with another man. Yes. And, but everyone's saying it was it was madness, because Jest was, you know, clearly the bad guy mm-hmm. in this scenario. Anyway, by this point, he has been named a martyr and a hero. And, right, because they killed the guy. He helped kill the guy. He, Jabberwock. Yeah. And... So, she basically waltzes in, apologizes for her brief stint of madness... And then asserts that their wedding will be in three days. Well, she starts with a fortnight. Yeah. And, and then, then the king stutters and she says, oh, no, you're right. A week, week. is better. And then he stutters again and she says, oh, oh, you're right. Three, three days, days hence. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, she just walks in and asserts that she is going to be the queen. Period. And the king is just like, um, 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 okay. Uh, sure. Uh, sure. Um. I don't know how to say no to you without calling a big fight, and I don't like fights. I don't like confrontation. I don't like. <laughs> I don't like this. So I'm just going to do what you say. And this is where she basically steps up and becomes the monarch yep. because he is too spineless to do it. Yep. Had she kept her heart, had Jess not died, had she not, she probably would have been a solid queen. She makes the comment right before her wedding to her parents, "If you had just asked me that before, I know." Are you happy? They is, will this make you happy? Because all, all we, we want, want is for you to be happy. happy. And when, she said, I wish you'd asked me that before. When all of their previous actions up to that point had been contrary to what she had said would make her happy. Yeah. So, yeah. She basically takes the throne. And then there's a trial, right? And they're... They're, they're, doing, they're doing the whole, like... People bring their troubles and their grievances, and grievances before the court. And, and the judges are handling it. The judges are handling it. Blah, blah, blah. And she's sitting there bored. 
And the terror triplets come back with Peter <laughs> Peter. Their, a trial commences. Yes. They take her heart and leave and the trial commences. Yes. They, they take her heart, they leave, and the trial commences. And the jury finds Peter Peter not guilty. Because they don't... Because they don't have an executioner, they don't convict right. people Right, they don't find hearts. people guilty of things. No. Really. Because that would be not good for morale. Yeah, and the king says, well, sweetums, we don't have an executioner. executioner. Because she stands up and demands his head. Yes. She says, he, he has done all these horrible things, he is a criminal... I, off with his head. Off with his head and demands for his, his execution. And the king says, Sweetums, we don't have an executioner. And she looks to Raven and says, we do now. You served the, the White Queen as an executioner and you will serve me. And in this, we will have our revenge. She does say, if you will serve me. Yeah. She actually get, does get, make it his choice. But he makes that choice. He was as... He, I, his heart was as God as hers. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. So he becomes, she became the monarch, and then he became the murderer. Yep. Ooh. All in time, as the terror triplets pr- predicted would yes. happen. If they walked through a door. And they went through a door. And they went through a door. Because she could not leave Marianne. Yeah. And she blames Marianne for this. Oh, no. All of it. Yeah. And she sends Marianne away. Marianne says, you haven't asked me to continue to be your maid when you leave for the, the palace. And she says, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. I hear the white rabbit is looking for a maid. Yep. Because the majority of her problems started when Marianne opened her freaking mouth. <laughs> yeah. I went and told everybody everything. No, and it's not Marianne's fault. It's Hatta's fault in that regard. Because that damn hat that made yep. Marianne a dreamer instead of, you know, a logical person well, and, like she and the usually thing is that comes was. Up a lot. Catherine mentions that his hats change people, and he goes, no, they make them better. No. Uh, well, that's the intent. But the thing is, is that they don't. Because making Ari- Marianne a dreamer does not make her better. It makes her... It doesn't make her a better friend. And it certainly makes her a worse friend. The thing is, all of the materials that come for, for Hatta's hats come from chess. Yeah. And, and they do something we, different. We in, have a... We, in we, arts. we establish a precedent as the book goes on that things that come from chess react the opposite of the way they should. They do different things. Yeah, more or less. They 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 create in the, in the kingdom of hearts things that come from chess are not necessarily good things. No, and while I think his intentions were good, mm-hmm. it didn't play out the way he wanted right. it to play out. So he also indirectly good brings, in, good intentions don't erase he brings, results. The Jabberwocky is also his fault. Yes. He brings the poison pumpkin. They don't do what he wants them to do. So he scatters the seeds at Peter Peter's farm and. You know, she consumes all these pumpkins, becomes poisoned, and turns into this big monster. Yep. And, you know, so that, all of this is indirectly Hatta's fault. All of it. And so, yeah, the Queen of Hearts, you know, becomes the off-with-your-head, mm-hmm. off-with-his-head person, and declares that no one will leave hearts, no one will, will no, nothing will come from chess, and nothing will go to chess. Yes. And closes off the looking glass. Yep. That's it. All over. And, uh... That was her final punishment for Hatta. Yeah, it was her... Yeah, you can't you, go back. You, if you go back, you better stay. You better stay, because you can't come back here. If you come back, you will die. Yeah. Then, the, my favorite scene of the book is when she turns to the white rabbit and says, you will remove that white rose tree. Mm-hmm. And he says, but the king's great-great-great-great-grandfather planted that tree. Right. She, I think we should leave it where it is. And she threatens him. Yep. And he agrees to remove it, and she talks about, and she makes a statement, there will be no more white roses anywhere. There will only be red. And in my head, all I can hear is, we're painting Painting the the roses red! (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, oh, so good. All the tie-ins. All the tie-ins. It was very well done. Tying in the little bits and pieces from The Looking Glass, and tying in other fairy tale lore in a way that made it fit into Carol's world. Yeah. I, I made the comment when I, because I started reading this before you did, actually. Yes. And I messaged you and said, I feel like I'm reading a Wonderland book. It has that whimsy and that rhythm that I associate with Carol's writing. It Yeah, she did a very good job of making it feel like a Wonderland book instead of like a book that where the characters from Wonderland had been transplanted. Right. That said, I do really wish... I think that's because she did no world building. Yeah. And I really wish she had done at least a little. Yeah. I could see that. I I, I could see that point. 
We are way over time. <laughs> we are. We are way over time. So we're going to have to uh, move on from Heartless and the whimsy that is in this book. Definitely read it, guys. It's good. It's a good book. I gave, I gave it three stars. I thought it was a solid book. For me, three stars is a, is a, is a good recommendation. I gave it uh, four, which, you know, I... That's that's that should shock you guys because I rarely give books that Cynthia gives star. I I'll, I'm You're always lower than lower her than me. Yeah. <laughs> in, in this situation, I'm not. I gave it four stars. I really, really, really like a sympathetic villain, a well written, well developed sympathetic villain. And while I think that Ferris is certainly better than this book, I think. Ferris benefits from being a series, and this is a standalone, so if you're not wanting to get invested in a five-book series, this is this is a great place for you to start. I would read more books by her in... I, I would read more Wonderland-esque books. I don't think she's writing anymore. It would be really... I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing something from Jess, or a prequel about Jess. Yeah. No, um, I really liked in the author's notes where she talks about how she was talking to someone at her publishing house about how Gregory Maguire should write the prequel story for the Queen of Hearts, the origin <laughs> story. And the person from the publishing house goes, why don't you just write it? <laughs> and here we have Heartless. And I, I thought it was very good. And you know what? Honestly, I liked it better than some of his books, which I have read, like Son of a Witch, which mm-hmm. I absolutely hated. So, you know, not everything's a hit. But... Moving on to things that we are going to be looking forward to now that we are way over time. Thanks for sticking around with us, guys. We usually don't do this. It's because the Goodreads stuff. Yeah, it's it. Well, we had to talk. We about had to it. talk about it. We it was to. a requirement. So the podcast is looking forward to Alchemist of Loom by Elise Kovo, which we have discussed. I think we discussed it in our last podcast. A or little maybe bit. the one before. Yeah. We, we have touched on it, but I can't remember. Elizabeth. This is the first book in her new series. Mm-hmm. She wrote the Air Awakens series. And it seems to be a steampunk dragon setting. I'm really super interested in it. And the the stuff that she's doing for the release, like, she's marketing her little butt yeah. off. And it's really, really very good. You can go and join your guild and earn points and unlock cool things that she'll send to you. As for what I am looking forward to personally, this is the point where we get to talk more about Glass Sword because I am kind of, sort of, maybe a little looking forward to King's Cage by Victoria Aviard, which is the sequel to Glass Sword, which comes out on February 7th, 2017. We're moving into a new year, guys. My review for Glass Sword was horrible. I did not like that book at <laughs> you, all. You did not. It you caused my very, biggest very reading slump book. of the year. Uh, but I can't not finish the series. Like, I liked Red Queen. King's Cage has got to come back and give me give me more of what I want. And I really hope that it will, because now the villains, she can't dangle them in front of you and not actually show them to you, which was one of the main problems with Glass Sword. We're in a situation where Maven has to be front and freaking center. So I'm really hoping there's an improvement in this book. Please, 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 please. There, there needs to be an improvement. The first book had so much potential and the second one was just so bad. Like, <laughs> just please, please be better. And I am also looking forward to A Conjuring of Light, which is the sequel to A Gathering of Shadows by V.E. Schwab. Which is great. I know, I still haven't read A Gathering of Shadows. I'm a horrible, horrible person. I have read A Darker Shade of Magic, which is one of my favorite books. Mm -hmm. I do need to read A Gathering of Shadows before I can read A Conjuring of Light, but I am still really excited that it's, you know, it's coming out. It is February the 21st. So, what are you looking forward to? Well, I am looking forward to, actually, um, One Blood Ruby by Melissa Marr, which comes out February 28th. It is the sequel to Seven Black Diamonds. I have not read Seven Black Diamonds. I have not read yet. I recently picked it up. And then realized that One Blood Ruby was coming out very soon, actually, technically. I'll just go from one to the other. I've kind of put it on the back burner to read until it gets closer to release date for yeah. One Blood Ruby. Um, I'm always interested in things that revolve around some fae politics and interesting stuff like that. Yeah, so. I've been reading, meaning to read that one. I just haven't picked it up yet. And Maybe uh, we'll do it together. There you go. And the other um, book I'm looking forward to, which I believe you said you were also looking forward to, is Long May She Reign yes, by yes, yes. Thomas. Yes. Um, which comes out February 21st. So those two books yes. come out close to each other. Caitlin and I both have a soft spot for political maneuvering. And Long May She Reign screams that it's going to be a heavy politics book. Uh, you know, so did Three Dark Crowns, but... It did, and we were disappointed. <laughs> but hopefully we will not be disappointed in Long May She Reign. No, hopefully so. we won't. I'm super excited about it, and I really hope it turns out to be what I want it to be. 
So I, I, I those are the two books that I am. Because I'm in February too. Yeah, <laughs> we we've gone through January. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We're always like two months ahead, Caitlin. I know. I can't help it. We're always on the on the pulse of what's coming out. Guys. That's right. So as far as recommendations for things that are like Heartless, I have mentioned Ferrist, which is also by Marissa Meyer, which is part of the Lunar Chronicles. And it's it's really very good. I thought it was better than Heartless, but again, it's a, it's a big series to get invested in. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to recommend Uprooted by Naomi Novik. I keep recommending this book. If you guys haven't read it, I'm going to keep recommending it until you read it. <laughs> in other words, she's going to keep recommending it until I finish reading it? Yes, that. <laughs> this is her way of saying, read the damn books in. <laughs> yes, that. Exactly that. It's fantastic. It was my favorite book of last year. If you haven't read it, you're seriously missing out. It's very, very, very good. It's not really a retelling. People say it's like a, a Beauty and the Beast retelling, and I can kind of see that, but I'm listing it for its Polish folklore, and it's, you know, it's kind of like a Polish fairy tales and things like right. that. Also, Cruel Beauty, which is in fact a Beauty and the Beast retelling, mm-hmm. which I have previously discussed. It's by Rosamund Hodge. I listed it for the whimsy and the strange because it has a it is a very unique retelling, and the world that it is told in, for me, really did feel a lot like Wonderland. Mm-hmm. So it has a very similar feel to Heartless, gotcha. and I I do recommend it for that. Also, I cannot 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 not recommend. Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass by Lewis Carroll. Because it is so germane to this discussion. I know. <laughs> if you haven't read the source material, read it. You really should. Also, The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe, which is not a big time investment, so if you haven't, you should. I also recommend reading The Jabberwock, which yeah. is, I suspect is not in either one of those books, but I don't really remember. It's a poem. It is a poem. I, get, I think it gets referenced, but I don't remember it being in its entirety. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've read Carol's books. Yeah, me too. But they were a staple of my childhood. Oh, yeah. Of course. And is, again, one of my favorite, favorite literary universes. Oh, I think it's really, really very cool. And I think that this is a great addition to that literary Mm -hmm. universe. And I think that you should all read it and tell us what you think. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it at your local bookstore. Read it. Comment on the blog. Tell us if you like it. Comment on the SoundCloud. We thank you for putting up with our hiatus. And for still being around when we came back. Yes. And we look forward to our next podcast where we will be reading, we'll be talking about The Sun, the Sun is, also is Also a Star by Nicola Yoon. And we'll be telling you about some of our upcoming ventures for Shelfie. Yes. And Exciting our, things coming on the horizon. Yes. And our favorite books, 2016, will also be included in what I, I, I assume will be an extremely long episode. It will well. probably be a supersize. So yeah. look forward to that. And we will see you next time on Shelby.